0: He was coming, but they need to be ready. The five foolish did not take any extra oil. And indeed, the bridegroom delayed his coming. And when the door was open for the guests to go in, the bridemaids without light and oil had to go purchase additional oil. When they returned, the gate was shut and they were not allowed entrance. They were not ready. Jesus said that's the way His coming is going to be. He's coming. We have to be ready. You have to have your spiritual lamps burning. And you, you have to have the oil of the Spirit of God in you. And you, you, you just don't know. He can come at any time. And he's still teaching about the second coming here. at Verse 14. And this is what he says. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two went another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Verse 17. Likewise, he also had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his own Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things, Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, 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 I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have. What is yours? Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Verse 28. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I prefer for him to say over us, well done. Stretch your hands in my direction. Offer a prayer for me, would you? Go ahead and do that. Father, I thank you this morning for the good anointing of the Holy Spirit. How glad my heart is to see this church full. And I anticipate it will be again that way in the next service. But Lord, not only do we want to see this church full, we want to be full of you today. And so, Heavenly Father, may the Word of God find good soil in our souls. May the Holy Spirit open up our hearts and understanding today. Even though we've seen this parable and might have heard it before, God, let it be fresh and refreshing and and invigorating and life-changing. Bless the hearer and help me today to represent you well in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you and thank you for being seated. Keep your Bibles open, if you will, please, to Matthew 25. Notice verse 14. Actually, another translation begins 14 by saying, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. The word again indicates that Jesus is using yet one more parable to explain future events. The man going on a journey to a far country in this parable is Jesus. Jesus said later on in in John's Gospel, chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. He's going on a journey. He is still on that journey and we are awaiting his return. In this parable, there are several powerful principles on stewardship and on God's intent for our lives while we await His return. Please, if you're a note taker, get this and get it anyhow. Get, Get this thought. One of the reasons for which we were created is to serve God by serving others. You know, many years ago, and that's maybe not many years ago, it's probably been about 8 years or maybe 10. Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Community Church in California wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Powerful book. I read it twice. And we as a whole church, some of you might recall, did this book as a church in 40 Days of Purpose. About 500 of us did it. And so, uh, Pastor Rick Warren enumerates in this book why we were created and help us to discover our purpose. Because we all know we were not just created in this world to pay bills, pay bills, and pay bills. And we were not just created in this world to hide from criminals and crooks. And we were not just created in this world to carry burdens and heavy loads and be attacked by Satan. God saved us by the gift of His Son, Jesus... So that we might have a home in heaven one day. But in the interim of time, he has given us talents and gifts and anointing so that we might serve him better by serving each other. So please let me enter into this teaching by giving you the first principle that I've discovered. What we have is not ours. Verse number 14, please. It says, this man was getting ready to go on a journey. And it says here that he called his own servants and delivered his goods. Everybody say his goods. goods. He delivered his goods to them. Now it was common in the days of Jesus for wealthy men to take long journeys. Before they would leave, they would arrange for someone to maintain and take care of their business While they were away, much like when you and I would take a vacation or a journey, we would arrange for someone to pick up the mail and to feed the pets. Well, the businessmen who traveled in those days did more than that. They would often delegate the control and the multiplication of their wealth to trustworthy employees. They then, the employees, were expected to bring a return on what had been handed over to them while their master was away on his business trip. Now, given the uncertainty of transportation in Jesus' day, given the uncertainty of communication in Jesus' day, even though the master said he would be back at a certain time... There could arise unexpected situations that would delay his coming, but they were to carry on anyhow until he returns. There was no doubt in the minds of the servants that the property and money entrusted to them still belong to their master. The servants were the possessors for a season, but the master was the owner. Their job was to manage what they were given. And it would do us well this morning in a materialistic American culture to remember that everything we have has been given to us and it's not really ours anyhow. Now where do you get that kind of thinking, Pastor? From the Word of God. Psalm 24 and 1, the Word of God says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything who lives in it. It's the Lord's. Haggai the prophet said it this way in chapter 2 and verse 8. God said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord God Almighty. And here's the bottom line about the fact that God owns it all. He has the rights... We have the responsibility. He is the master of it all, and we are the managers of it. He is the sovereign God, but we are the servants. We really don't own anything. You don't own your eyesight because you didn't give it to you. Oh, I feel a whoop glory coming on. You don't own the dexterity of your fingers that could pick stuff up and put it down on computer and machine because he gave it to you. You don't own the walking in your feet and the breathing in your lungs because he gave it to you. You don't even own your mind because you've often said you lost it, but he brought it back to you. Can I get an amen? So so actually everything is his. Our days, the number of our days are in his hands. Give me a witness, church. Our gifts and abilities are not really ours. They are on loan from God. Our money is an advance. You know, you take your credit card and you swipe it because the credit card company is giving you an advance, hoping you'd pay it back. Well, God gives us money as an advance so that we would use it well and be good stewards. Our houses, our cars, our clothes, every possession we have don't belong to us. We really don't own anything. It's His goods. A second lesson I learned is that we are given what we can handle. And this comes to us in verse 15. Because the Scripture says here, And to one He gave five talents, and to another He gave two, and to another one. To each according to his own, what? Ability. Indeed. We, we need to pause here in order to recognize that this word talent is different from our present day understanding of the word talent. This word talent is not the American idol talent. Where you get on TV and you demonstrate your stuff. Well, we understand talent to be something like that. And I've seen American Idol and I can't call a lot of what I saw talent, but I'm moving on because that's not the heart of my message. <laughs> a talent in Jesus's day was a measure of weight. But for the purpose of this parable, it was more than that. A talent was also used to indicate a very large sum of money that this PowerPoint I have on the screen you see what it looked like? A coin? Well, this is, this is the kind of way that money was uh, exchanged in Jesus' day. And a large sum of money was represented by talents. So, for our understanding, the value of a talent in Jesus' day varied depending on whether it was made of copper, silver, silver. Or gold. While biblical commentators differ on the exact amount of a talent, most of them agree that it would take an ordinary laborer almost 20 years to earn just one talent. To kind of put that in today's economy, using minimum hourly wages, a talent today would be equivalent to about $300,000. Now, along with other applications that Jesus makes in this parable, this parable has first reference to how we invest our money. And the secondary application has to do with how we use other God-given abilities. And while I'm not trying to make this a sermon strictly on stewardship, stewardship has everything to do With what we do with the money that God allows us to have. And the Lord says that one of the ways you serve me is by giving. By bringing the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse, the worship house. Bring all the tithe, which is one-tenth of our income, in the agricultural economy of Jesus' day when currency wasn't abundant, and people didn't make wages by way of checks and cash, they would bring their vegetables, or the first fruits of that, or the firstborn of the animals. But after the day of the old covenant was over, and Jesus no longer, uh, uh, God no longer required that kind of offering, he instructed us to bring tithe and offerings, one-tenth, of our income weekly or ever how often we get paid to the house of god so that the kingdom of god Can be advanced through the preaching of the word, through the saving of the lost, through the building of churches, through the development of ministry, through the feeding of the orphans and the clothing of the naked and the helping of the widows and through building churches and missionaries and establishing, uh, sending them out. The Lord says, while I own the cattle on a thousand hills, while the streets of heaven are made of gold, I could fund all of this if I just let heaven rain down. Some gold, But I'm not choosing to fund my work that way. I'm choosing to fund my work by the demonstration of my people's love for me by them bringing their tithe and their offerings to the storehouse. Amen. Amen. Janelle, I just now saw you. Jeanette Hammond is here this morning, and her husband Austin is, is very sick, and we're praying for his recovery. He's an elder in our church. But Jeanette told me on the phone, and I, I didn't ask permission, so I'll ask forgiveness later. Jeanette told me that Austin got up one morning and said to her, the pastor preached on, uh, he took in a lot of new members, and then he preached on tithing and giving, and everybody left. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know why God instituted tithing and giving? Not just because he wanted to prove our love to him and fund his work. What God instituted tithing and giving for was to also prove whether or not we could handle the blessings so that we could get more and we could prosper. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. The tithing and giving has much to do with us. Because God says, if you give, prove me. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. See if I will not rebuke the devourer who is the devil for your sake. Too many of us have tithing and giving tied up with money, money, money. Too many of us have looked at too much Christian television where they say if you'll give one dollar, God will give you a hundred thousand. God never said that. God said He would supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And God says with what measure we measure out and we give, that the same measure he's going to measure back to us so if you give God a thimble full of offering and blessing don't expect God to give you a barrel back I feel it coming on okay if you just give God a tip don't expect God to make you a millionaire but the Bible says what well, well, measure you measure out he'll bless you good measure press down shaken together and running over amen church and so so you know, I, I, we wrestle with, with some of this, and, and some people might have already turned me off because you're thinking, all I ever hear is money, money, money. You know what? You know why sermons like this bother some people? Because they're not given. I really did pray that I would be a, a non-controversial preacher this morning. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, tithing and giving reminds me about a cute little story. I read this week of of two men who crashed their private plane on a South Pacific island. Two men. One of the men brushed himself off and proceeded to run all over the island looking to see uh, if there's any chance for survival. Hysterical. When he returned looking all over the island, he rushed over to the other man and screamed to him, The island is uninhabited and there's no food or water. We are going to die. And the other guy, he just leaned up against the fuselage of the wrecked plane on this deserted island. Just the two of them in this wrecked plane. He just leaned against the fuselage and folded his arms and said, No, we're not going to die. I make over $100,000 a week. And the first guy grabbed his friend and shook him and said, Listen, we're on a deserted island. We are doomed. The other guy, unruffled again, responded, It's okay. I make a $100,000 and more a week. And the other guy mystified. Look at the, his friend so calm. And, and he was taken aback. And he said, for the last time, I'm telling you, we are lost. There's nobody else here. It's deserted. There's no food. It doesn't matter how much money you make because there's nobody around to help us. And still unfazed, the first guy says, I'm telling you this for the last time. I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe every week 10%. My pastor is going to find me. I want to tell you, if you make that kind of shekels, I don't care where you are, I will find a way to find you. Let's get back to the story. I know I could lose it there. So the first guy gets five talents. That's about a $1.5 million. The second guy receives two talents. In today's economy, that's $600,000. And the third guy gets one talent. That's $300,000. And even though there's a big difference between five talents and one talent, the guy who received the one talent still had a lot of money. Wouldn't you agree? Because that reminds us that God gives... Listen to this. Get this. God gives out of His abundance to us. Yeah. And I, I, want, I want you to notice that each servant, the last phrase, each servant received according to his own ability. And the Holy Spirit showed me some things just right here. And, and the first thing I want you to see is that your and my responsibility is tied to our ability. Can, can I get an amen? How many know God does not expect us to perform beyond our level of ability? How many know God doesn't expect us to give beyond the level of our ability? But as we are entrusted and we obey what he gives us, he increases our ability and increases our storehouses. Let me show you something else I've learned and I'd like to teach you. God's kingdom purposes do not operate according to what is fair, but according to what is best. Well, how come God didn't give me a car like them? How come God didn't give me a house like them? How come God didn't give me a job like them? How come God didn't give me an inheritance like so-and-so? Because you see, God doesn't operate with what's fair according to the world. God operates with what's best for us individually. And He knows our level of our capacity to handle what we have. And if He gives us more than we can handle, we might likely lose it or bury it or abuse it. Yeah. So God is not in in, in being fair as the world thinks fair. God is interested in being best. Giving us the best. I saw in a a 2020 documentary about two weeks ago where a girl, uh, she was, uh, well, she was arrested and is in jail now for the murder of four of her friends. And uh, she and her boyfriend, she came into an inheritance at age 18 from a trust fund that her deceased father had left her of over $385,000. And every day, she and her boyfriend, they they moved out of the covering of her, her family's home, meaning the family who took her in. And every day, she and her husband, her boyfriend, her boyfriend would go to the ATM. She stayed in the hotel room, staying high. Every day, they would draw out $500 for cocaine and other kinds of drugs five, five. so let, let me tell you I know that you may not abuse if you if you got a lot of money you may not abuse it like that but here here's the fact of the matter God entrusts to us what we can handle at a given time and when we prove that we love him first and when we prove that it's not all going to be about us and our security and our well being but when we prove that we love God and we love his work and we love other people and we're not just going to to serve with our money, but we're going to serve with our time and our talent. God will keep pouring it on. Yes. yes. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. L- let me hasten here. Here's a third lesson. We must invest what we've been given. Can I get another amen? amen? Look at verse number 16. The scripture says here, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Look at verse 17. And likewise, he who had received two two talents, gained two more also. The Word of God tells us about the five-talent guy, that he didn't waste any time, but he immediately went to work and invested what his master had left in his care, and he doubled the portfolio of his master's trust. The guy who got two talents might not have moved as rapidly to go and invest what he had been given, But nonetheless, he worked equally hard because he went out and got two more talents and doubled what his master gave him. Can I get an amen, somebody? But look at verse 18. There's a difference from the first guy with the five talent and the second guy with the two talent. Verse 18 says, but he who had received one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, even though we don't read in the Bible any specific instructions as to what to do with this money, the two guys went to work and multiplied their investment. The the one talent guy was a slacker. You ever heard that? Don't be looking at anybody. The one talent guy was a slacker who went off and buried his blessing. You see, in Bible days, the practice of hiding valuables in the ground was quite common. It was one of the safest ways to protect your valuables. But it never brought back any return. It was the least profitable way. And and what what I've come to understand and appreciate is not just with money, but with other abilities God gives us. We must invest what we have been given. I read about Antonio this week. And because Antonio's voice was high and squeaky, he didn't make the tryouts for the Cremona Boys Choir as a lad. And when he started taking violin lessons and started practicing at home, his neighbors convinced his parents that he should stop. And he did. Yet Antonio still wanted to make music. His friends, although, would give him a hard time because his only talent was whittling. You know what whittling is? Jed the Millionaire, you know, clamp Clampett whittling. Okay. Sticks, twigs, knife, pocket. Okay. That was his only talent. When Antonio was older, he served as an apprentice to a violin maker. And his knack for whittling grew into a skill of carving, and his hobby eventually became his craft. He worked patiently and faithfully. What others might have thought was a waste of his time, he invested it. By the time he died, he left over 1,500 violins, each one bearing a label that read Antonio Stradivarius. You ever heard it? These violins that he left behind are the most sought-after violins in the world, selling for more than $100,000 each. I am going to take up whittling right after church. (laughs) Even though Antonio couldn't sing, and he couldn't preach, and he couldn't teach... He had a responsibility to use what ability he had, and his violins are still making beautiful music long after he died. Now now get this. Our potential is God's gift to us. What we do with our potential is our gift to God. You ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Powerful motivational speaker. Zig Ziglar said, You are the only person on earth who can use your ability. Amen. And so, what we have to decide is, are we investing what we've been given regardless of how much or how little it is? Or have we done like this one lazy, slacker servant who bury our blessing? Please. Please. The Bible says a day of accountability is coming in this parable. The Word of God tells us, as we understand, verse 19, After a long time, the Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is coming back one day. Brothers and sisters... If he doesn't come in my lifetime, I pray that this work that I have done in following Pastor Roger Powell, who founded this church in 1975, and I came in 1985, if after my time is over and Jesus doesn't come, somebody else fills this pulpit or the next one that we're building, I hope they remind you that Jesus Christ is coming again. Because he is. There is a reckoning day coming. None of us want to be audited by the IRS. Let me say this. I don't say this. I say it. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say it. Well, I'll say it. On an occasion, two or three years ago, it happened to several of our church people and to Valerie and I the IRS audited us on one category and it was our contributions to the church they could not believe that based on our combined income that it was an honest ent- entry in the form of our 10W40 or 1040 whatever whatever you know they couldn't believe that we gave to the work of the lord what we did based on Our income, and I'm not pleading poverty here. Okay, the Lord takes care of us, and you do because I'm your shepherd. You see to it. So I'm not I'm not I'm not asking for a raise. However, I take it. Anyhow, (laughs) please. Others of you, others of you, we had to provide forms for you. It, It reminds me of Moses when he asked for an offering out in the wilderness and god moved on the people and they brought gold and they brought silver and they brought linen and they brought yarn and they brought sheep skin and goat skin and uh, and the, the ushers came to moses and said hey moses you got to stop these people from giving excuse me moses said <laughs> yeah they're bringing all this stuff to build the tabernacle. You told them to bring all this stuff to build the house of God. And we got more to build. We, we got we to start giving away. And Moses got up and he says, I ain't never preach a sermon like this. But stop giving. I'm living for that day when I can say stop giving. <laughs> You see, none of us want to be audited by the IRS. I didn't like it then. I we had to provide a check, a copy of every check we wrote. There was 152 of them. I had to go back and find and copy through the bank and to the IRS to show that indeed it was legitimate and it was authentic. I hadn't heard from them since. They didn't said thank you for sending the check. They just said you're clean. None of us want to be audited by the IRS. But one day we're going to be audited by the G-O-D. There's accountability day coming. And I know that because the Bible says in Romans 14 and 12, So then each of us shall give account to God of himself to God. That's why I'm telling you, good intentions done not equal good actions. You try to tell Wachovia and City Mortgage, you you, you try to tell these other banks, okay? You you try to tell Regents Bank, I intend to pay you. (laughs) Yeah, you go in that parking lot, you buy that nice loaded car, and every month they call, I intend to pay you. Oh, yeah, and they'll, they'll, I'll be seeing you in the jail ministry. (laughs) And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that God blesses my obedience today. Can I get an amen here? I I need to move on. The Bible says that on that day of accountability, we, we, we can either hear God say, Well done, Alan. Well done, Willie. Well done, Daryl. Well done, Sylvia. Well done, the good and faithful servant. Oh, we could have this. 1 John two twenty eight. And now, little children, abide in Him. That is, abide in Jesus. That when He appears, how many know He's coming back again? When He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him. That is coming. Jesus. What we do with what we have reveals our view of God. Can I get another witness here, somebody? You see, if we view God like this third person with one talent view master, we'll do nothing. The the one talent guy said to his master when his master came back and judged him and cast him into outer darkness, which represents hell. The one guy says, you know what? I know you work really hard. And uh, I know you sow. You reap from places you hadn't sown. And, and you know, you make investments in places that it's kind of risky. And I, I tell you, uh I I was just afraid. I was afraid to mess up. Well, don't don't you know the first two guys were, were a little bit afraid that if they took their master's money and they didn't get the right return that, that he might be upset and they might lose some money? But but they stretched out. And they took the risk. With God, when you obey him, you're not taking any risk. God takes the risk by entrusting us what we have. And and what what I'm saying to you is. A a faulty view of God. He had a faulty view of his master. Thinking that his master would be mean and terrible and hateful if he didn't reap a return. So he he just took his master's money. I didn't mean to do that. Wrapped it up in a napkin. Dug a hole and buried it. Expecting to be applauded. Because he had the wrong view of his God. Pardon me, his master. And so, my word to to us is: some of us today have allowed Satan to give us the wrong view of God. Some of us, some of us, because of how people treated us, and maybe God didn't come to the rescue at the same time because God didn't answer a prayer the way we wanted it an answered, because we didn't wait out and really trust. Uh, you, you want to give me this because I I'm, I messed that up. Because of, of somehow, some way, God didn't do what we wanted Him to do, or, or, or just didn't come Come, We have this view of, well, I'm just going to be silent and withdrawn and non participating. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. When we blame God for stuff, we bury our blessings. Did you hear me? All of us get hurt. All of, all of us have people mistreat us. All of us have people who tell us they're going to do something and they didn't do it. All of us have, have had p- people who say, you know what, I'm with you thick and thin. And they turn their back on us and otherwise. Many of you have been betrayed. And now you have to start off life all over by yourself or on another path. But don't go blaming God. God is not your enemy. God is not your punisher. He doesn't delight in your pain. Satan is your enemy. Be a friend of God and God will take care of you. Thank you, Jesus. Let let, let me hasten here. I see three things that I want you to see very quickly. Because of their obedience, these two servants receive from their master affirmation. Because they invested, the, the, the master said, good job, well done. I appreciate your work and your faithfulness. They also received a promotion. Since you've done so well with what I've given you, in verses 20 to 25, the Bible says, the Master said, I'm going to give you more responsibility and more opportunity because you've been faithful over a little. I'm going to bless you with many. Can somebody say amen? And, and here's another way. And, and the Lord says to them, another blessing for you is celebration. Come and enter into the joys of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I want to tell you, if you live right and obey God and bless His name and do well with what you have, your time, your talent, your money, your abilities, if If You'll go to the ministry fair and you'll find a place that you can be used and you'll sign up and say, you know what? I'm just not going to come on Sunday mornings and receive a loan. If you're not serving in a ministry, serve once a month, serve once a week, serve twice a month. But if you'll say, God, you know what? You've given me time, talent, money, and the church is growing and there are needs out there. I want to invest in the kingdom. Then God's going to invite you to a celebration. He's going to say, enter into the joys of the Lord. You are going to get a promotion one day. Somebody put your hands together and thank the Lord for that. Okay, a couple more thoughts and I'm closing. What we have, we must use. Or what we have, we will lose. Now, that doesn't have to take a lot of explanation. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. I told you that God's not interested in being fair like the world thinks Fairness is. He's interested in our best. And he says, in that you have been faithful over this five talents, I'm going to give you more. In that you've been faithful, put it back up if you, if you can. you've been faithful over these two talents, I'm going to give you more. Because the simple understanding that comes from this lesson is that if we don't use it, we will lose it. And then finally, who you know and what you do will lead either to abundance or agony in the next life. Because the the real tragedy of the outcome of this story for the one talent guy who misunderstood his master, misrepresented him, who was lazy and indifferent... The outcome for him was that he was cast, verse number 29 and verse 30, into outer darkness. Where the Bible says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I know that that is a very severe judgment. And yet I also know that the issues of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ... The coming of the Lord has everything to do with life and death. And so, the judgment was harsh because the responsibility was enormous. And I would, I would say to us this morning that stewardship is defined as the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals I am saying to you this morning that leave something to be remembered by if you were to die before Jesus comes and I don't mean physical estates and earthly possessions I mean leave your actual Roll up your sleeve, hands-on, work in the kingdom of God. I'm saying to you this morning that you you are never more happier than when you learn to do for others and bless others in the name of the Lord. Yeah, go ahead and give a lot thanks. You, you are never more happier when you lay aside the idea well if I do this I'm going to get promotional recognition these guys were not doing that for promotion and recognition and for more they were just simply doing it because they loved their master and because they trusted their master and because their master had been better to them than they deserved and I'm saying to you this morning if we are looking for joy we are looking for happiness we come on Sunday morning we come Wednesday we do other things and we run out of that thrill by the time we get to the parking lot and in our car or the restaurant where you're going to eat or before you get home. But the thrill and the joy of serving Jesus is to know that you love Him and that you're safe in His care and that He has blessed you and you can make a difference in somebody else's life whether you get a plaque or a promotion or any other kind of recognition. God is worthy of our trust. Stand please if you will. Thank you Jesus. Oh, praise your Lord! You know I've heard this said before, and it's very true. If you're if you're hurting, you ought to find a hurt and heal it. You ever heard that said? Can I get an amen here? And and so I, I'm saying to you this morning: perhaps your problem is not a lack of a job right now, and it is a problem. Perhaps your problem is not the fact that you may be in foreclosure with your house. And it may be because you can't help it. Perhaps your problem is not because you have a loved one in prison or somebody that you care about bound by an addiction or habit. Perhaps your problem is, is something to do with raising a child or to that effect and you're so focused. And the more you dwell on that, the lesser you see a way out. Maybe the Lord is saying to you this morning, that if you'll get the right view of God. Can I get another amen here? If you'll get the right view of God. And you'll read the Bible anyhow. And you'll pray anyhow. And you'll go to church anyhow. And you'll give and worship anyhow. Then, then you would be amazed. At how the centrality of your love for God can change your circumstance please bow your heads my father I just thank you today that you are working in us and father I I just pray this morning that as I dismiss in a moment and ask this entire crowd to go to the commons I pray father if nothing else happens that they begin to take it up in their spirits to thank God for a place that is willing to risk to serve. Father, I just pray, oh God. I pray this morning and I don't want to be mean or unkind. But I'm talking to people, oh God, who need to join in and volunteer some time. I'm talking to some people, oh God, who need to show up and and... and Volunteer some time with our youth and with our children and with our uh, senior adults and volunteer some time with the music and the choir. Volunteer some time as an usher or a greeter or in a ministry, oh God, that is a this extension of our church, Recovery House or so Joseph's Storehouse. I'm talking about, God, I thank you for money and people who give money, but many times it's not just that we need a check or a dollar bill. What we need is hands and feet and legs and arms. And I pray, oh God, of us won't watch While 20% of us do it Help us Lord And stir our hearts For your kingdom And your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed You say Pastor Matura I need to come back to the Lord today And give my life to Him That's the first place I need to begin I need to begin today by giving my life Afresh to Jesus Christ I've given so much time and energy and effort To stuff that is rotting And rusting and eroding and decaying But I got a soul that will never die, and when God does His audit, I want to be sure He says, "Well done" over my life. If you say, Pastor, I'm one of those that right now God can't say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," but I want Him to say, "Well done." I want you to raise your hand if that's you. I want to hear God say, "Raise up your hands!" It up, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Put Him down, if you will. Father, in Jesus' name, for everyone that raised their hands, pray with me, Christians, now. For everyone that raised their hands, I pray today that you would cause them to feel and to know your visitation. Oh, Jesus. Father, forgive us of our sins. Oh, thank you, Lord. I want everybody in the house to raise both your hands to the Lord with me. Lift them up. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Everyone repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for investing in me. And today... I rearrange my priorities. You are first. Beginning with my life, I give my life to you. I invite you, Jesus, to wash away my sins. Come in my life and save me. And Lord Jesus, today I want to begin using my time, my talent, and my treasure. For things that are eternal. If you can use anyone, Lord, use me. And Lord Jesus, if I've been mediocre, if I've been indifferent, forgive me. Help me to join your team and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and thank the Lord. Come on, thank you. You got a little chorus or something we could sing with you? Come on, come on, give him a little more praise. Thank you, Lord. I bless you, Jesus. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what I long for. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness is what I need. i let you go in just a moment. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what you want from me. Take my heart, over. still got time for breakfast and lunch. So please, when you exit, go straight down the hall, go to the commons, take a few minutes. Please, because I don't want to have to look at the camera and see that you didn't go and show up to your house to spend a month. God bless you. Have a great day. I love you. Ladies, tomorrow night's your Bible study. And men tomorrow night's your prayer time. Seven.